and welcome to season two, episode five of the Nature Therapy Online podcast. And my name is Stephen McCabe and I'm an ecotherapist living in Midlothian in Scotland. And my podcast is all about connecting with nature for our own well-being and also for the well-being of, of nature itself and the planet as well. It's a mutually beneficial thing to to love nature and connect with it because we feel better. That's a scientifically proven fact when we spend more time connecting with it. But also people who love and connect with nature want to look after nature very often and want to care for it. We all want to care for the things that we love as well. And I think we'd all agree that um, the planet could do with a bit more love and care from us really you know so um, that's where I'm coming from that's what this podcast is all about and if you're new to it welcome and if you're returning to listen again then thank you for coming back and listening so um, before I go on to the main theme of this month's episode I want to share with you some tips that I had from a listener called Jermaine in the south of England. So some of you who listen to the podcast might remember an episode I did last year called Indoor Ecotherapy. And it's something I'm really interested in and passionate about. I don't think that connecting with nature is something that's always done when we're, you know, out camping in big groups and being up in the mountains. It's not it's it's not necessarily the case. And and, and I think for a lot of people, going outdoors is not always an option for numerous reasons. Um, you know, the, the the issue that triggered the episode I did last year was from a guy who lives up in uh, Canada. And I think his name is Colin. So um, hi, Colin, if you're listening. Uh, and uh, he couldn't get out due to extreme weather. It was extremely cold and fierce in the winters. So he was looking for tips around connection with nature indoors. Um, for Jermaine, uh, Jermaine lives with a chronic illness and Jermaine wanted to share tips for people who are not able to get outdoors for whatever reason. And, and quite a few of the things that Jermaine shared, um, I didn't share on my initial podcast and some of them are things I'd not heard of before, you know. So I thought it would be really nice to to share with you folks and, and and just to say as well i'm so uh, I'm, I'm i'm so happy when i get emails like this and and i get ideas and tips from from you folks the listeners to share because this this podcast could be more of a community space than it is it, it doesn't just have to be uh, sort of me sharing my ideas with you about ways of connecting with nature you know we all have some experience of connecting with nature and we all have unique and i and, and interest and ideas that might help each other out and might work for for others so so please do um share your own ideas with me they don't have to be around 
indoor ecotherapy they can be any ecotherapy at all i really love to hear hear them so um so yeah so here are some of the thoughts from jermaine about connecting with nature indoors so jermaine shared about pressing and framing autumn leaves that people have brought to them or or even leaves that have blown onto the porch uh, jermaine mentioned uh, having collections of pebbles and shells and unusual pieces of driftwood or twigs and these can either be things that you know people have shared with you from the, from their travels um you can ask people to bring them back for you rather than maybe buying you know nasty plastic gifts when they go on holidays you know maybe you can ask someone to bring you a, a small stone or a, or a pebble or something from nature um sniffing essential oils of plants um, I think this is a really nice one as well, um, you know, and obviously you can add them to, to a bath and uh, you can imagine you're, you're floating down a sea or river. That's something that Jermaine uh, wrote to me, which I think is really lovely. Um, keeping a window open, um, even on wet and windy days. And in fact, Jermaine says, especially on wet and windy days. You know, and, and I think that there's something really important about that, actually. You know, we, we seem to, you know, as a species, have this aversion to being wet and, 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 and cold. And of, and of course, it's not healthy for us to be wet and cold if we're not dressed properly. But at the same time, you know, we, we can be indoors and, 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 and snug and warm. And, and as Jermaine writes here, snuggled under blankets, feeling the fresh air and hearing birds, you know, and not just being, as again, just Jermaine puts it, contained an insulated box you know we can invite in the elements you know obviously when the weather isn't too extreme um i think that that's really important and and this is one that i've noticed this next one is one that i've noticed myself doing more and more quite naturally over the last few years you know i was always one of those people who would switch the light on the second that it was getting dark you know I, I did I did that for my whole adult life you know for, I, I, I it must have been some childhood training or something you know uh, maybe that's what happened in our house when I was a kid that we we, we didn't sit with the you know with, with the dusk but I've noticed myself doing this tip of Jermaine's a lot more recently and it, and it, it's such a simple thing and, and and I really feel connected to nature when I do it and that's not turning on the light or closing the curtains, you know, as soon as it gets dark and, you know, experience that change in light and the colours of the sky, you know, and Jermaine writes here in, in the summer, this also means I sometimes see bats outside my window. So it, it, it's not just about having that, sense of of being connected with with the light and the dark as it's happening you know being being there with that natural cycle and being a part of it but it's also about wondering what are we missing you know even if we're in the in the middle of the city there will be things that we're missing qualities of of of, of nature outdoors um meditating to recordings of birdsong running rivers and coastal waves i think that's lovely um reading about the natural world and other people's interactions with it and watching short videos and collections um here for jermaine jermaine says watching uh, short videos or collections of photos my husband takes on his phone when he's out and about so he can bring nature experiences to me and i think that this is a you know a, a really positive way of using technology you know but it doesn't have to just be about technology as well we can uh, as Jermaine says in this this next point write or draw uh, about 
you know depictions of the natural world or or so you know just be creative you know and i, I remember doing a podcast about uh, sketching the outlines of mountains that's something that i have found has really connected me to the hills that i see here in midlothian from my back garden just just taking the a pencil and sketching the outline of it um, you know they're not drawings that need to be shared with anybody it's about that that process you're going through in that moment of connection you know um and a few more things um of, of course jermaine says of course going on nature virtual nature walks on your podcast Stephen. so thank you jermaine i know so <laughs> so hopefully that you, some of you other folks are enjoying those as well i, I, I do like walking around the, the the local landscape here and, and seemingly talking to myself thankfully not many people really go uh, past I, I live in a place that's so uh, sparsely populated that i can just walk around the forest talking to this tiny microphone and i don't stumble across a single person most of the time um but it's really nice to hear so thank you for that jermaine and um these last two points um are uh, about uh jermaine has a little solar powered fountain on their patio um and Jermaine says, so that I can be in the presence of moving water, even indoors, hearing it through my open window on sunny days. Um, I mean, that sound of water is just is just beautiful, isn't it? Um, and this final one, um, and this could be a tip for anyone managing uh, chronic pain. Um, hope, yeah, so I'll, I'll read it as Jermaine says it. So speaking of flowing water, a meditation that can be soothing when managing chronic pain is one where you visualize yourself sitting under a warm waterfall with the water flowing over and perhaps carrying away the discomfort. That sounds really beautiful. And um, I'm not sure if I've mentioned on the, the, the this podcast before, but one of the groups that I run in, in Edinburgh is, is uh, a, an ecotherapy group for people who experience chronic pain. So this is a tip that I'm going to be taking to my group and um, and and also these tips in general i will be taken to the the trainings that i run for other ecotherapy practitioners i do a session on indoor ecotherapy um and i think this just shows the the, the power of sharing you know any tips that you do have because you know these are a lot of these things um some of them are things that I've naturally tried myself, but some of them are not, you know, the, the, I think that we all have this unique connection, you know, depending on, on who we are, what our experience of life is and, and, you know, being able to reach out and share them with each other, I think is, you know, is a, is a really supportive thing to do. It's, you know, you're sharing your experience with other people. And I hope that some of these tips have been helpful. Um, you know, and you do, you don't have to have a particular, reason why you may stay indoors more than other people you know maybe you don't have a, a you know a disability or a, a chronic illness or you're not living somewhere with extreme weather or, or 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 any of the reasons that this might be more relevant to people i think the the, the fact of the matter is that you know we we as human beings we spend a lot of time indoors you know and much as i'm a, a you know I, I like to promote the importance of going outdoors i think at the same time, you know, we do spend time indoors. And just because we're indoors doesn't mean that we can't connect with nature. And just because we have technology doesn't mean that we always have to use it as something that distracts us from nature. We can use it for good and we can use it to connect us and we can, 
you know, do all of these things that we've forgotten to do, like read nature poetry and read old traditional nature stories. You know, there's so much that we can do when we're indoors, especially in the winter months. Um, so thank you very much, Jermaine, for raising this again, um, this topic. It's one that I really love and I'm passionate about. So thanks a lot. And I'm going to end this wee uh, section of the podcast for now. And I'm going to uh, hop into the future where I introduce the, the main theme of this month's podcast. So here we go. Hi folks, so I'm, I'm here at home. It's a rainy day and I'm sat looking out of the window. Me and Yoro, my dog, have just got back from a wet walk. He wasn't very happy about it. Um, he doesn't like going outside at all, even if it's just a little bit wet and it's not even raining anymore. He's, uh, he's more like a cat than a dog, to be honest. And my cat is more like a dog than a cat. She's been out in the rain having a great time this morning. So um, I don't know what's, uh, what's happening with my animals, folks, but th that's, that's where we are. We're all indoors regardless. Yoro's just hopped on the sofa. I'm just going to butch my chair around so I can look out the window because I like to... I like to look outside and see trees when I'm recording, if I'm indoors. And I want to talk today about ruins and abandoned places and about how nature reclaims these places, about how they become a part of, of nature again about how everything changes, even the structures we build and how we can sometimes take for granted that the way things are now are just the way things are when actually that's just how they are right now. It's how they appear to us. I think ruins that we stumble across when we're out and about, you know, even if it's just a crum little crumbled wall You know, they remind us of how transient everything is. And the way that nature begins to reclaim these places also reminds us of how resilient nature is. And so whatever you're doing right now, whether you're listening to this while you're cooking the food or you're just sitting at home, relaxing. Maybe you're listening to this in the car, in which case, maybe don't do this visualization, folks. Keep focusing on driving, please. Or you might be, I don't know, listening to this as you're helping yourself drift off to sleep. Um, I think that's a lovely way to use this podcast. And uh, I know some of you do that. And I, I think it's a, a very nice thing that it can help people drift off and relax and get to sleep. So whatever you're doing right now, or certainly most things you're doing, most things you may be doing, I should say. I'm a wee bit tongue-tied today, folks. I uh, probably should edit this out, but I'm not, I'm not, as you know, at least the people who listen regularly, I'm not much of an editor. I like to just go with the flow and leave things in. So, so whatever you're doing right now, perhaps unless you're driving, that's what I wanted to say. 
I want you to just take a moment to, to relax for a moment and just notice how your breath feels going in and out of your body. And I want you just for a moment to just pay attention to how, how your body feels right now, whatever you're doing, whether you're walking, sitting, lying down, whatever. What sensations are going on in your body right now? How does it feel to be physically here, physically present? And I would like you to, you can close your eyes if you like. You can keep them open if it's better, if it's safer, whatever you're doing. I'd like you to bring to mind some ruins that you've seen once. Perhaps it was an old crumbled wall or an abandoned old church. A house or a shop that's been left empty. Anything at all, any old space that humans built and inhabited and left behind. No one else moved in, no one else used this space again if it was something simple like a wall. It was just left to its own devices, left to crumble away. Left perhaps for nature to reclaim a little bit. Some weeds to grow in the cracks perhaps. Grass to grow inside it if it's a building. Strange little green growths to pop up in surprising places. And even if you can't bring to mind a specific place, just let your mind conjure something old and abandoned and be with it for a moment. kind of feelings do you have when you look at this place in your mind? How do you feel when you notice its colour? What kind of sensation would you have if you were to touch it gently with your fingertips? How would the scent be if you were next to it? Would there be any particular scent? What would you smell? And how might it sound around here? What 
kind of sounds might be happening around this location, around this place? What could you hear in the landscape? I'd like you just to take a moment to express some gratitude for old places that have held us and looked after us. Perhaps an old place that you used to visit or, or be that no longer exists. Take a moment to feel some gratitude for the resilience of the nature that reclaims these places, for the weeds, the grasses, the shrubs, the trees, the wildlife, birds, nests. And maybe Finally, a moment of gratitude to, to our ancestors, the people who came before us. And I think sometimes we think, when we think of ancestors as maybe people who lived thousands of years ago, but this could be, this could be people just who were living 50 years ago who are no longer here. Abandoned places aren't all ancient. Some of them have been abandoned quite recently and it's okay to bring whoever to mind and just offer some gratitude for the humans of the past. And I'd like you just to, if you'd like to open your eyes again or, or just slowly move your body, whatever you need to do to bring yourself back into a a place that maybe isn't so, so meditative. Generally bring yourself back to feeling present wherever you are again, whatever you're doing. Take a few breaths. I hope the sound of my dog Yoro trotting around when I was guiding that meditation didn't disturb you too much. But that's life, isn't it? You know, I think when we're visualizing or meditating, the reality is that there are always sounds and there were probably sounds going on at home. And I, I, I believe in embracing everything that's happening around us and not creating glossy experiences that are not realistic. So thank you, Yoro, for your little trotters. And before I move on to the next section of the podcast, I would just like to um, let you know about the work Harriet Sams is doing. Um, when I did my episode on uh, spirituality and nature, Harriet 
did uh, a little talk about Druidry for the episode. And uh, she's doing some really interesting and incredible work called archaeotherapy. So she's trained as an archaeologist and she's doing a lot of really fascinating stuff and developing something called archaeotherapy, as I mentioned, um, about connecting with these sorts of places and um, acknowledging them as a, as a part of nature and, and a part of our history and connecting to ancestry and the land in you know, all of its old abandoned glory or even in its state of ruin and disrepair and, and, and its woundedness at times as well. So I'd like you to, let me just pull the website up here, folks. Just to make sure I've got the same one. I should, probably should be more, more prepared. But I think if you Google for, to actually, if you go to Eventbrite, and look at Tariki Trust. That's the the charity who uh, we, myself and Harriet and other people run some uh, events for. Just look for Tariki Trust, T-A-R-I-K-I Trust on Eventbrite and look for Harriet Sams's offerings. They're really, really beautiful and well within this theme. So I'm gonna leave that there for this section of the podcast and I am, um, I'm going to take you out now on a, on a wet walk with Yoro once again. Uh, so uh, we'll see you in a moment, folks. Hello there. So I'm in my village. I'm walking my dog. I'm on the, on the path through the village at the moment. So I'm just by the, by the road that runs through. And I think I might have mentioned in past podcasts that my village is called Temple. It's unusually busy today. That's like five cars that I've just went past all at once. Like sometimes you can be on this street for stand here for an hour and not see that many cars. So <laughs> I've become such a country boy in the last few years since I've moved here. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling overwhelmed, friends. Five cars all at once. It's too much, too much. Um, so. Yeah, it's called Temple. You might have heard me refer to the area as Moorfoot before. So that's like the wider community council area that includes the village of Temple. But the specific village I live in is called Temple. And I'm walking down the village at the moment. To my right is uh, a big old stone wall. And behind it is the Glen, the South Esk Valley. It's just absolutely lush with every kind of tree you can imagine. Even here, looking over, I can see cypress trees, I can see oak. There's beech, hazel, fir trees, everything. Well, not everything, folks, you know, but it, it, there's certainly a lot. It's a real mixed woodlands and quite an old one as well. I record a lot on my podcast today, so I'm going downhill, the village goes downhill so I'm sloping down with this huge forest on my right and on my left is the reason that you're having a shake there you might hear it it's a bit rainy today so you'll hear a lot of raindrops but on my left here I'm approaching the reason that 
this village is called Temple. And that is because it's named after the ruins that are here. Now a really strange thing, I'm just going into the gate now. So to my left there's this big old gate just been recently painted black and it's got these gorgeous gold leaf design on them. Let's go through the big old gate. Come on Yoro, Yoro loves it in here. I haven't figured out quite why but he just loves coming in here. Every time I come the forest he just needs to come in and see the ruins and see the graveyard. So I'm in this graveyard and the gravestones here are ancient, they are really old. So some of them date from the, uh, from the, the, the 16th century. Some of them are so old you can't make out what's on them and they've actually, the earth has almost concealed, well, quite a lot of them actually. So I'm looking down on the old graveyard. It's a small graveyard as the, the village here goes down into the valley. And there are a lot of old churches, one that's been converted into a house. Another one that's been converted into a house and then there's the ruins here to my left next to all these ancient gravestones. Above it is a hill in the background and the autumn colours of the trees all around with of course a lot of yew trees next to the church. And I say of course, I'll probably explain that in a moment when I go down, but temple was named after these ruins here. And these are, these are really intact ruins. I mean, there's no roof, but it's an old church. And it's incredible how much of this ancient building is, is still here and still intact. There's a big gate around it same warning keep out because it's it's um, not been preserved as well as such a historical site could have been so there's a lot of um, charitable activity trying to keep it intact and trying to keep it um, well maintained and looked after because it's a, it, it, it's an incredible piece of history just here in Scotland so I'm going to actually read from the sign of temple here that's in the graveyard. So the tourist information piece that is um, pretty, pretty worse for wear. It says temple's name comes from the famous military order of the Knights Templar. In 1153, David I granted them the manor and chapelry of Balanchadoc. That's what temple was called back then, folks. And it was in Temple that they established their chief house in Scotland until the order was suppressed in 1312. The Order of the Temple was founded to protect pilgrims in the Holy Land against attack by the Saracens. For this they were rewarded with gifts of land in England and Scotland. So 1153 is roughly the time when this started to be built. And it's changed shape over the years because the Knights Templar, there was a lot of 
myths and legends around the Knights Templar. Um, because they made an enemy of the, I think it was the Catholic Church, but don't quote me on that, the, but in France they made an enemy of the, of the Church. I'm pretty sure it was the Catholic Church. And so they spread an awful lot of rumours about them being devious uh, devil worshippers, homosexuals, witches. So you can hear all kinds of rumours about them. And of course, you know, a lot of these things, being a homosexual or being a witch, are, you know, perfectly valid and, <laughs> you know, some would say even desirable things, depending who you are. If you're me, for example, I think both of those things are great. Thanks very much. Um, so you hear a lot of myth and legend around the Knights Templar that isn't true, but to be here and to gaze up at this place that's been reclaimed by nature and it really has been reclaimed by nature is an incredible sight. You can hear the river just next to me here. I'm going to walk a wee bit closer so you can hear it. It's down behind the church. You have to do a little hop down, further down into the valley. It's bordered by a lot of yew trees that hide the river, but you just take a few steps and, and here it is. Just listen to that gorgeous sound. The birds are singing also in the trees. The yew tree is dripping drops of water from the rain on my head. It's quite refreshing actually. And I'm under the canopy of the yew tree branches next to the headstones of the old graves with the skull and crossbones. And yew trees are often found in church, church grounds and religious grounds. And um, that comes from an old belief in yew trees that they were almost gateways to the other world. That they somehow helped people to cross over, to pass over. A lot of links with death, but with passing, passing through to another state. A lot of folklore around them being important to have around graveyards. And this is an ancient belief in the British Isles. And it's a belief that many of the uh, Christian settlers, if you like, adopted from old pagan beliefs and built their churches near a lot of yew trees. These yew trees here are probably really old. There's a huge line of them. 
So I reckon some of them would be 500 years maybe. And I'm describing all of this to you because I think sometimes we separate the human made from, from nature and of course we are absolutely destroying the planet folks and it's it's a terrifying thing, it's an awful thing. We're just taken from the land, we're throwing concrete all over it and, and it can't cope. But I think we get ourselves in trouble when we start to think of nature as only the land that's being created by other species or that's formed quote-unquote naturally because we can have a, a positive influence on the land and we can have a place in it as well and the the shame is that we haven't been doing that really especially over the last few hundred years in particular you know but but old ruins are really magical places and they don't even have to be old ruins you know I'm walking around this one Usually the, um, the gate that's around it is ajar. Like people, a few people have forced it open because they want to get in anyway. And that was my plan for today. But it looks like they've really reinforced the gates. They've put some tags back on and I'm, um, I'm not going to force it open because it looks pretty sturdy. But looking at this old wall here, the tiny little archways, these sort of old brick that has these tough ferns, tiny little octopus-like green ferns growing through the cracks in the wall. There are actual little trees growing on the frame of the roof at the top where it goes in triangular shapes up into a tiny spire. Inside, inside are where I can see through there are the old gravestones of people who've been remembered here and it's to it's complete grass in there, wild grass, vine, uh, vines of various plants growing up there. I'm not sure what kind of uh, creeping plants they are, but they're really, they're all over the place. And I love these little ferns most of all. You know, I've not noticed them before. You know, this site is green. This, these, um, these ruins are green. It's a green space in there. This place has been abandoned, but... Nature has really reclaimed it. And there is a sense of... I'm not sure if I want to use the term holiness. It sounds a bit... A bit too pious for my liking but there's a sense of just of magic of times past here of so much activity this whole village was the village of the Knights Templar it's incredibly unique I don't think well I know there's nowhere else in Scotland like this that has this kind of history the rest of the village came after it but it was the village of the Knights Templars, this very specific uh, 
military order. It's magnificent to look through and I've walked around the other side now, I can see through a little archway and there's just all these wild shrubs. Of course it's autumn so a lot of them are dying off and that feels almost like it it fits this scene, you know, of this old abandoned place. To see the, the change in the seasons, the plants dying back and the way that the activity in this place has, has died away. And yet nature has just become a part of its walls and a part of the bricks. It's a magical place, you know, this is like a, a temple to nature now. That's how it looks when I look in and that's how I feel when I'm around ruins of all kinds. And ruins don't have to be these ancient ones. You know, it's funny when I was thinking of doing this episode about connecting with abandoned places and, and ruins. Um, I didn't think of they're here, even though the village that I live in is Temple, and even though it's the most obvious place, I was thinking of walking right past it, going into the forest and finding these um, you know, newer abandoned places that perhaps don't have so much history that I'm not even sure you know, what their purpose was when they were being used. I just find it so strange. I'm not sure why I did that, but you know how sometimes when we live somewhere, we kind of overlook the most obvious thing that tends to attract other people to it. Not many people know about Temple. It's a kind of it's a, it's a um, you know a bit of a, a hidden gem in the Lothians in Scotland. But those who do you know know these ruins, that's why they come here. And it's so strange that I live here. And trust me, there's not much here. There's not even a shop in Temple, folks. There's a post box and a, and a phone box. And that's it. <laughs> a lot of uh, open space and land. It suits me fine. That's why I moved here. But there are these ruins. And I wonder if you do the same. I bet you do in, you know, whether you live in a village, a town, a city. How we overlook the places that are on our doorstep. You know, if we were to go there as a tourist with tourist eyes, there are all sorts of places right on your doorstep of rich history, gorgeous nature and gorgeous nature is in the crack of the pavements. It's not, you don't have to go to a wild forest for it. But I'm digressing a wee bit here. I suppose as it's starting to really get heavy with the rain, I'm going to make this point quickly and finish this section of the podcast. But um, I want to invite you to go and explore an abandoned place whether it's a old abandoned shop or a crumbled wall somewhere and see nature reclaiming it spend some time to sit with it and to use your imagination to think what activity went on here this connection to our ancestors and our past to people who are no longer here that could be because they've died, like here with the Knights Templar, or maybe it's just someone who's moved on from an old house that's being kept in disrepair. 
and look at that play between the past and the present and between the built up and, and the natural and how there's no this or that it's all together you know try and abandon this endless sense of opposites that we have in our mind see the whole experience take a notebook with you it doesn't matter what it is it can just be an old crumbled wall but let it inspire you how this shaped the whole space before it created a different experience for people and don't take for granted how the land is around you right now because however it's set up however the buildings are however the land is is all in change and in flux and some of this will be yeah, tomorrow's ruins you know even the house you live in might be tomorrow's ruins probably will be one day definitely will be one day and if in the theme of the indoor ecotherapy um, theme that I brought up at the beginning of this podcast, it's hard for you to, to get out and to see places um, due to disability or the weather or, or, or whatever it is, you know, cast your mind back to places from when you were a childhood, when you were in childhood, sorry. Journal about it. What, what places do you remember? Do you remember how the land looked around it, how the nature looked around it? Why does that place remain in your mind? What was special about that place? Come on, Yoro. We're at the gates now. We're just leaving the graveyard. We're getting really wet. Yoro was very unhappy about this. He's looking at me. He used to say, why on earth are we standing still in such weather? He's actually making a protest now. He's refusing to walk. I think he wants me to lift him, but he's um, far too grown up for that, folks. I'm not lifting you up, love. Sorry about that, Yoro. So that's what I want to invite you to do. Um, and I'm going to hand you over to the last wee section of the podcast. Thank you for listening. And I'm going to go and get dry, frankly. <laughs> Bye-bye. Hi, friends. So just before we wrap up this month's podcast, I just wanted to let you know about my Myths and Tales Nature Therapy Group, which is starting on Monday, the 29th of November, 2021, and runs until 22nd of January, 2022. So it runs for a few months. And this online course is all about meeting nature's myths and tales. It's a closed ecotherapy group to inspire your imagination through myth and story and folklore and folk tales. Um, and the stories come from all over Asia and all over Europe. And how it works is that there are six experiential units over eight weeks. So there's a two-week break in the middle for the holidays um, and there are 16 nature tasks. So how it works is that via video and via audio and some fiction which I have written and is not available anywhere else uh, online or printed or anywhere, I will share the stories with you. Um, so as a storyteller this is something I spent a lot of time pulling together 
And when you have read the stories and connected with them, um, you then are invited as a group to go out wherever you are in the world and connect with your landscape, connecting with both the theme of the story and the land where you are. So you're almost taking the story with you into your land, into your local landscape, um, and then coming back to our private group forum and sharing. Um, we also have an uh, online group event at the end of the course via Zoom, uh, which I will be hosting myself and as a really nice space where we get together and share our experiences from the previous two months. And the course also includes tarot, it includes meditation. I will read your tarot personally to inspire a nature-based pilgrimage um, it's really my, my my favorite project of all and as I say it's coming up at the end of November starting on the 29th and you can find out all about it at naturecourses.info now if you're listening to this perhaps sometime in the future as is often the case with podcasts there is also a solo version of this course that you can start at any time so if you just go to naturecourses.info you will be able to find either the online group um, I do run them uh, once or twice each year so um, you can see which date is most suitable for you if you're listening in the future or you can uh, join solo and, and, and work with me alone rather than with a group and, and, and start and any date that you like. So I really wanted to share this with you folks. Um, I ran this earlier this year in spring and it, it was just a beautiful experience. It really was connecting with you folks all over the world and um, I'm looking forward to doing it again. So if, if traditional stories and mythology and, and fairy tales and their connection with nature is your thing, then this program is probably going to be your thing as well. So please do sign up, get in touch and yeah naturecourses.info that is uh, that's the advertisement over i'm going to say thank you very much once again for tuning in this month and i will hopefully get your ears next month for another podcast so take care folks and bye bye visit me online at naturetherapyonline.net Thank you.